Welcome to the Aaron Church Podcast, where our mission is bringing life to everyone, everywhere, every day. Each podcast episode features the latest talk from our church, which are released weekly. We're passionate about Jesus, love to worship together, and are committed to changing our community for the better. Connect with us at aaronchurch.com. speak about today it's I'm kind of giving a bit of a disclaimer is actually I don't want you to sit comfortably in your chairs this morning um just listening I actually want this to be something that like when I was preparing it when you actually stop and look at this story if you feel too comfortable in it maybe ask God why <laughs> why are you feeling so comfortable in it because this story is a story of of real pain and sorrow um it's yes there's an amazing ending that we know but in this moment, this actually was um, Jesus' last chance as man to get out of what was coming for him. So it was his kind of last chance. At this point still, he could have run away. Um, and as Nathan um, was reading this morning, knew about, he said, you know, if, if possible, God, can someone else take this cup? But, you know, he stood before God and said, but, you know, if, but I will stay and I will do it. This, he could still have run away at this point. Um, And he didn't. So I'm just going to start. So basically, the story of um, the Garden of Gethsemane is, um, as Nathan said, on the Mount of Olives. Um, It was at the base of the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives was really familiar to Jesus. He went there to pray time and time again. He went there to preach. And the Garden of Gethsemane, again, he went to many times to pray and spend time with his father um, and would often go there for that kind of quiet space um, and time with his dad. But this was different. I'm going to start. It's actually told this story in all four Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and in John. And in every Gospel account, you get a little bit more of a glimpse of what that actually was. So I've kind of, I'm going to read you um, it from Mark, and I'm going to take verses from other uh, Gospels as well later on, and just kind of jump between them so we can get a, bit, a good overall picture of, of perhaps how this was. So I'm going to read Mark uh, chapter 14, verses 32 to 42. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that, if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, Everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once more, he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back, he found them sleeping again because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. And returning the third time, he said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Enough, the hour has come. Look, the son of man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. So we see in this passage, Jesus in real pain. So I'm sorry if I'm going to go somewhere that's hard for you this morning, but have you ever had your heart broken? Or have you ever felt real pain? 
I'm going to cry when I'm talking about this, because if you have, that place is dark. And that place is not just uncomfortable, it's overwhelming. It's real pain and sorrow takes over your body, it takes over your mind, it can make you groan, and it's deep. Jesus was overwhelmed with sorrow. He said to his disciples, Jesus doesn't just say stuff, does he? He doesn't just say stuff. He, what, everything that comes from his mouth has deep meaning and purpose. And he said to his disciples, oh, I'm, let me get it right. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. So he then in that moment isn't talking about death on the cross in a few days, um, the next day. He's talking about in that moment that's how sorrowful he felt. I'm not sure if you've ever felt that level of pain, but that is pain. That's pain where you don't want to get up from the ground. That's pain where you want to hide. That's pain where you're rocking. And when the, that level of pain is just too much to bear, he wouldn't say overwhelmed to the, with sorrow to the point of death if it wasn't that level of overwhelming sorrow. So what does Jesus do with this? Jesus acknowledges his sorrow. He acknowledges his pain. So we're Brits, right? Most of us, not all of us. And you know what? When we see people from other cultures, they sometimes handle things differently than we do. I started watching a documentary the other week called um, The Stiff Upper Lip about the history of emotion in Britain and the history of um, you know where that's come from and and why that's come and you know I don't think we really like that as much these days generally but we do you know it's a bit of pride and you know just keeping it together keeping it together but Jesus didn't in this moment didn't keep it together he was overwhelmed he fell on the floor with sorrow he fell on the floor and as we'll read in a minute in, a, in, in one of the other gospels it says you know he he sweated blood that's messy pain. That's messy, uncomfortable, physical pain. He acknowledges the pain. He says to his disciples and he says to his father. So I don't know if you noticed at the beginning. So what he does is he comes to the garden with all of his disciples. But he's not overwhelmed with sorrow at that point. He walks to the garden with them. After the Last Supper, this is what he does next. His disciples stay. He chooses Peter, James and John. Now, when we look in the Bible, they're often the ones who go with Jesus. So I'd like to think that they're kind of like his best mates in a way. They're his trusted three that he takes with them. So he chooses them and he brings them with him. And then he says to them, he says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. So he chooses some people who he knows he can trust. They know. And, and, and I think I was thinking about this and thinking, why did he do that? For, was it for them? So that he could see, and then they could write down an account and tell other people. Probably. But it was also, I think, for Jesus. I think he wanted his friends with him to help strengthen him. Have you been at that point where you, you are low and you're in this valley of pain and sorrow? And sometimes we can not contact our friends. We can leave them out of things because it's too much. Maybe we don't want to make ourselves vulnerable. Jesus didn't. Jesus brought them in it with him. So he acknowledged it to him, to, to him and, and um, his father and his friends. And then what he does is he allows himself to feel. He allows that pain in. It's not, I was going to say it's not nice. That's such a kind of 
pathetic way of putting it. it allowing that level of pain is, is heartbreaking. It is deep. It is physical pain as well as mental pain. It's not just one. One, excuse me, it's both. So he allows himself to feel that pain. He doesn't just allow it for like five minutes of uncomfortable pain. He sits there all night and allows himself to feel. And he allows himself to, to, to feel that pain that he sweats drops of blood because it's so overwhelming. And his friends let him down. And often we think of, I've heard this kind of been talked on before. And you think about the friends and it's like, well, are you going to be like the disciples and fall asleep? Are you going to be like them and fall asleep? If it was me, I would have been asleep. Like if anyone knows me, right, I fall asleep pretty much as soon as the end of the day comes and I sit down on a sofa, much to the, um, my, the amusement of my children and my poor Ben, who's worked all day and then I fall asleep on the sofa. I'm kind of like that. I could lie down here right now and fall asleep. I am not joking in five minutes if I tried. So that would have been me. Um, and I've maybe sometimes been that friend. Um, sometimes been that friend where I might have fallen asleep on someone in someone else's valley. And when you realise you've done that, you feel pain yourself. <laughs> and you think, oh, why did I? I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to. And um, Jesus needed his friends, yeah? They fell asleep because they were human. But Jesus is so overwhelmed. But when Jesus is feeling alone and he prays a desperate prayer, he prays desperate to his father. Now we know the word Abba is kind of like saying daddy. So in this moment when, when Jesus is saying Abba, it's like he's kind of going, daddy, daddy, that pain that you just want someone to just envelop you and just take you out of that pain. He's going, Abba, father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. At this point in Luke 22, verse 43, it says, an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. I love that. His friends had fallen asleep because they're human, they're man. And in fact, it says that they fell asleep because they were exhausted with sorrow. You can't really blame them. They're not trying to fall asleep because they can't be bothered. They too are weary and exhausted. And they don't really know what's to come. They don't know what's coming at this point. But God doesn't leave Jesus in the valley on his own. God doesn't leave Jesus sitting in this overwhelming pain on his own. God sends an angel from heaven. Now, I was thinking about this again and thinking, it's like God's sent a reminder to Jesus of his home. It's like, you know, Jesus is God. Do you think Jesus actually needed the angel? I, you know, I don't think he actually needed it, but he kind of did in that moment, in that earthly body, because he felt what we feel. In that moment, he felt the heartache that you felt. He felt the heartache that you felt, even in that darkest moment that you felt it, when you think no one else understands. That's what Jesus was feeling right now. Because Jesus knew that in a day, he would be carrying the weight of all of our sins on his shoulders. And he would be carrying the weight of all of our shame on his shoulders. The man who've never sinned, who loved with every fibre of his being. Now, I don't know about you, but if you've ever done anything wrong or thought something you shouldn't do, from the little things to anything bigger, the shame that you carry is so uncomfortable. Jesus had to carry our shame and he was sinless. 
And he had to carry that. Now, um, if you have been around the world for very long, you will have experienced, so I'm going deep here and heavy, I'm sorry. You will have seen evil in the world. We put the news on and you see evil, okay? We sin, but perhaps we feel like our sins are those little sins. Some of them might be bigger than others. In, in, not that it works like that, but in our minds and in society and the, the, the earthly consequences. But if you have ever seen evil, like things to, done to children that shouldn't be, um, if you've stood in the gap for somebody where there's that stuff going on, and we pray, God, break our heart for what breaks yours. And you see evil. That is an uncomfortable, dark, sorrowful place. But Jesus, but Jesus, but Jesus carried that. He carried that level of pain. Can you imagine carrying that level, knowing the shame of some of the things that we know happen? that we hear about and we almost have to switch our ears to because it's too painful. God, we don't pray, God, make us very slightly uncomfortable for what breaks your heart. But actually, sometimes that's how we are. Break our heart for what breaks yours. That's not comfortable. So we need to allow sometimes. We can't be walking around all the time in, you know, in black with sackcloth. And, you know, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about allowing that in a place with you and God and with some of your close friends. Allow sometimes, sometimes allow that acknowledge the pain, allow yourself to feel. And then what does Jesus do? Jesus goes back to his disciples <laughs> for the third time and he's disappointed. You know, sometimes we can read it, oh, are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come and the son of man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. No, he's like, are you still sleeping? Like he's woken them up twice already. Are you, are you still, like he's told them, yeah, he's told them. And these are his closest friends. These aren't the ones on the periphery that maybe um, he's only just met in this ride into Jerusalem and have gone, yay, Jesus. These are the people who've walked with him. I've got ugly tears, not. <laughs> um, these are the ones who he's walked with and they're sleeping. And, and, and he says, yeah, are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. So in this moment, this was Jesus' literally last chance to run. Because he could see them coming and he could run, bolt. You block the way. I'm going this way. He didn't. Jesus awakened his disciples and he moved and he walked into his destiny. And in that moment, after being in that night pain and sorrow and then being strengthened by the angel and being with God he moved because what did Jesus know that wasn't where he was staying and yes he was going to go through even more pain but but God said that was not the end that was not the end Jesus walked through the valley he didn't make the valley his home so he allowed, he acknowledged his pain, he allowed his pain, but he didn't stay. He did say, he sat, but when the time was there, he got up and he moved and he walked 
through the valley. And who is grateful that he got up and moved and walked through that valley? Who is grateful that he sat in the pain? That he dropped, he sweated drops of blood at that point when it's messy. You read it and you think of little drop, sometimes little droplets of blood dropping to the floor. What happens if you get a little cut on your finger? You bleed, you wipe it on your clothes. What if you're sweating blood? He'd be covered in blood. And his disciples, what would they think when he woke them up? Are you still sleeping? And they woke up and saw him. What are they thinking? What? What's, what's happened? Oh, and what, what shame do they feel? Like, I fell asleep again. I fell asleep again. Why did I fall asleep again? And Jesus walks through, gets up, he awakens them, and he walks through. And the verse that we all, well, most of us know in Psalm 23, verse 4, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God will lead you through. He is with you and he will lead you. So if this morning you find yourself in that place, in the, in the valley, and actually this morning your heart is broken. And maybe you're in that valley because of choices you made. Maybe you think, I deserve to be in this valley because I've made a mess and I've done this and I've done that and that's why I'm here. It doesn't matter how you got there. You can walk through. God is with you. He is with you always. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. In those most painful moments, he is close. He is close and comes and says, come on. He takes your hand. This is what I see. I see him taking your hand and lifting you up and saying, come on, come on. Let's not stay. It's not your home. This isn't your home. Let's go through. And we know that Jesus walked through the valley. He died on the cross. He rose again. He gave us life. He, in the darkest moments, is our light. And he can give us light and life. And you can have light and life again. So if you're in the valley, God's got you. If you are not in the valley and you're looking down and you know someone that is, get in it with them. Don't stand up there shouting, you all right down there? Oh, hi, it's all right. Um, I'll see you in a, when you manage to get back up, I'll see you up here soon. Get down with them, sit with them. Acknowledge what they're feeling. Let them acknowledge it to you. Don't belittle it, push it aside, tell them everything's going to be fine, pat them on the head. Feel with them. Allow yourself to feel with them. It's hard and it's painful and it's uncomfortable, but sit with them. And then awaken them to the truth that is before them, that is God, that is light, that is life, that is freedom. And say to them, come, I'm going to take you to the one who will rescue you. Come on, let's get through this. Let's get through this together. So be a friend. If you've fallen asleep on your friends, wake yourself up. Say, I'm sorry. Get back in there with them. And you can wake up again if you fall asleep again. That's what we're going to do. We're not going to leave it. The valley is not the end. It is not your home. Walk through it. He is with you. He will strengthen and sustain you. You will once again climb mountains and see the light and beauty of who he is and everything that he has for you. The valley is not your home. But if you need to sit there for a bit, sit there for a bit. But sit there for a bit with God, not on your own. He'll never leave you. Okay.
I'm just going to, um, in a minute, we're going to take communion together. And as we're doing this, um, I want you to be really prayerful about it. I want you to bring your pain and bring your heartbreak and your heartache. Bring any shame that you might be carrying. He carried it so we don't have to. He will give you life and you will see freedom. So take, as we're taking the, the wine and the bread, just, just think, to, just bring, it to, bring whatever you're carrying to God and just say, look here, God, this is my pain. And you know, if this has actually brought up stuff for you that's, that's deep, um, this might not be your comfortable place. If it is, then there'll be people here who can sit with you. But I would encourage you to find time and find a space to sit with God and perhaps with some friends and allow it and allow God to take you through. Where maybe you've built up walls and barriers, let them down and let God in to those places inside. Okay, Jesus, you are good and you are great and you know what pain feels like. You know what sorrow feels like. Do you know what shame feels like? You needed that heaven brought down to earth, the angel to strengthen you and remind you of your daddy <laughs> and your home. And so, God, I pray that you would, that your kingdom would come here on earth as it is in heaven, that you would come, that your kingdom would be known here, that you would strengthen everyone who needs strengthening that you would waken all of those who need wakening. And God, as we take communion, that we would um, just come before you and let you in. <clears throat> so if you've got your communion wine and a um, little wafer, then now's the time. If you haven't, there's some here at the front. You can come and get one. <clears throat> so the Last Supper was literally just before this moment in the garden. This was just before the pain that we're talking about and, and what we're talking about. So I'm going to read you a verse from um, 1 Corinthians 11, verses 23 to 26. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me.